you know, in the wake of George Floyd, in the wake of the riots, the protests, a lot of it is becoming conscious of one another, becoming conscious of one another's needs and taking the time to hear one another. Hey y'all, Father Victor here. Welcome back to Native Soil. This is episode number six. And I wanna preface everything I say today in saying that this topic was picked over a month ago to be aired this week. And I think in God's providence of all that we've seen unfold since the murder of George Floyd, the protests, the riots, and all the dialogue we've been having, um, I just think it's the Holy Spirit working. This was, like I said, this was picked over a month ago to talk about this today. And what I want to talk to you about today is a retreat that I felt led to begin a couple years ago for young black Catholic men in our archdiocese and also Christian men who go to our schools. But I'll get into more of that. It all started about three years ago. I was on a retreat with the junior class with Montgomery Catholic High School. And at one moment, I was talking to a young man named Cameron, who uh, is African-American, grew up in Montgomery. And at a certain point, we're just having a very good conversation on this retreat. And for whatever reason, he felt comfortable and shared with me, he said, you know, Father, it's not exactly easy growing up Catholic here in Montgomery. And I immediately sympathized and said, yeah, man, you know, I grew up here in Montgomery too. And, you know, I didn't go to Catholic school. You know, it's only 1% Catholic. I totally know how you feel. And he said, yeah, Father, but especially if you're black. And he went on to explain, he said, you know, Montgomery is a less Catholic area, but in the black community, the Catholics are a smaller portion. You know, he said a lot of our family, they're Baptist, they're AME, they're Pentecostal. And they look at us as, and even from our own family, like, what are you doing being Catholic? And in their mind, it's kind of like, isn't this like a white person's religion? Now, historically, we know that the first black Christians in the state of Alabama were Catholic. In Mobile, the only church that existed for the first 120 years of his existence was the cathedral parish, and everybody worshiped there. Native Americans, French, Spanish, blacks, black slaves, whether they were free or enslaved, um, everybody in Mobile went to this same parish. But this is a history that not many people are aware of. So anyways, he said, you know, it's just kind of hard for people to look at you and not think that you belong to the Catholic Church. He said, you know, I've gone to Catholic school my whole life. He went to Resurrection Catholic School, which is part of the parish there in, in North Montgomery. And he went there his whole life. And then he went to Montgomery Catholic High School. And he said, you know, in high school, every year, at the beginning of the year, everyone goes around and says their name and, and, and where they're from, where they go to church. And he says, and every year I say, you know, my name's Cameron and I go to Resurrection Catholic Church. And he says, and every year everybody turns their head and like, oh, Cam, we didn't know you were a Catholic. And he says, I know that it's because I'm black. And he said, you know, if there's a white student that was in our, comes to our school and they say they're Catholic, like nobody bats an eye. He said, and I, I kind of laugh and I know where it's coming from, but he goes, honestly, it's just hard for me to hear that. Like, this is just such a huge part of who I am. And at this point in my life, like I'm a junior in high school, it's just tough for people to not realize that like I'm a part of what they're a part of. This conversation really kind of took root within me. 
And about three or four months later, I real I started having this idea kind of emerge in prayer of having a retreat in archdiocese for young black Catholic men to be able to come together and share their experiences. As vocation director, I've traveled to a lot of our different parishes. I've been to a lot of our of our predominantly black parishes. And in each parish, you know, from the demographic of young black Catholic men from the ages of like 15 to 35, you know, in each parish you might find one, two, if you find five or six, it's kind of a big number. And so one thought I was having is like, these guys need to be able to come together and share some of their experiences and realize like you're not the only one of this demographic, you know, in our church. So I was really struggling with this. And at some point I decided to call my good friend, Father Manuel Williams in Montgomery. He's been the pastor of Resurrection Parish there for around 20 years. And um, I'll do a quick flashback just to give some context with Father Williams. I grew up in Montgomery and I remember my senior year of high school, my youth minister asked me to go to Resurrection Parish and help out with a retreat. Now, at this point, I'd never heard of Resurrection Parish, but my youth minister, Joan Plumley, was friends with their youth minister, Linda Carpenter, and she connected me to go and help out with this uh, retreat. I distinctly remember driving over to Resurrection Parish as a senior in high school and thinking to myself, I can't believe I've lived here my whole life and I've never even been here. I never even knew it existed. And so I went and I helped out and kind of became friends with Father Williams and the youth minister, and it just began a relationship. And over the years um, that, that developed, and uh, when I was ordained at my first mass, uh, I invited Father Williams and the choir from his uh, church to, to sing a song at my first mass, and it was very meaningful to me. Fast forward, I'm a priest for, <laughs> for a number of years, and I need someone to talk to about this idea of the retreat. I called Father Williams. And as I explained it, I said, listen, you got to tell me if I'm crazy. Like I'm a young white priest. Like, I don't know if I can pull off a retreat for young black guys. What do you think? And he thought just for a minute, he goes, you know, Vic, uh, I think we really need this. I think, I think our young men really could benefit from something like this. And so, uh, we started putting the pieces together. Archbishop Brody was very enthusiastic, and um, Deacon Ronnie Hawthorne, who's the Chancellor of the Diocese, member of uh, St. Joseph of Maysville, he got involved, his beautiful wife Rita got involved, and we started piecing this retreat together. We ended up calling the retreat Enigma, which is a word we don't use very much, but it's a word that means something that's mysterious, someone that is hard to understand. And first, we thought this was a good name because to be young, black, and Catholic in the lower half of Alabama, you are a walking enigma. <laughs> Not many people are sure what to make of you, especially when you leave Mobile. Mobile, you know, there are more uh, black Catholics. There's a lot of uh, parishes. But uh, beyond that, it's an acronym. And we decided to make it, even now, I give myself away. I give myself away came from the song that they sang at my first mass by William McDowell. It's an incredibly beautiful song of vocation. You know, uh, my life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself away. The even now piece we added on first, we had the IGMA. We needed to make a word out of it. <laughs> but the even now, we felt, felt um, really appropriate because talking about even now, 
even now, maybe especially now, we're all being called to give ourselves away. And the light of slavery and the light of Jim Crow and the light of everything the black community's been through, even now, Jesus is calling young men and women to give themselves away, to make a gift of themselves. So this was the whole spirit of the retreat. We uh, started to advertise the retreat and the schools, especially our Catholic high schools, were super helpful in doing this. I remember Coach Hill at uh, McGill, the coach of the football team, was very helpful to get the word out. Coach Thomas Ahrensberg um, was very helpful to be able to come up to the retreat and bring some guys. Uh, coach Kirk Johnson from Montgomery Catholic, he was a huge help in getting the word out to the guys in Montgomery Catholic. And we decided not to just have the Catholic guys, but even our young black Christian guys who go to Catholic school to come as well, because to be at a Catholic school is, has become part of their identity, has become part of their experience, and we thought there'd be a lot of good sharing there as well. About two days before the retreat happened, I was sweating bullets for many reasons, but one is which we only had about three guys signed up and wasn't really sure what to do. But one of the things I realized uh, in talking to Coach uh, Johnson up in, up in Montgomery was a lot of the parents were nervous about their kid going on this retreat. In fact, they didn't think that <laughs> their kids were telling the truth. Um, the kid was like, yeah, you know, there's this retreat the Catholic Church is putting on for young black kids. And their parents are like, yeah, right. What are you really going to do this weekend? And so Coach Johnson had to call every parent and tell them, be like, look, I know Father Victor. He's not crazy. I'll be there with them. This is a real thing. And I, and I promise that they'll be okay. And only then in the last two days did, did everyone kind of like get on board. There were about... Um, eight guys from McGill that were supposed to come and uh, at the last minute just didn't show up. I rented a big uh, passenger van to take all the people from <laughs> Mobile up and only like two kids showed up for me to like drive up there. And But later I would find out it's because they were just nervous. They weren't really, some of them never left Mobile. Some of them just weren't really sure like what is this retreat? But all things considered, we got together and it was just, if I've ever seen the Holy Spirit move, it, it moved on this retreat, and then we did it you know, another year since then. And uh, one of the opening activities we did was to kind of get in small groups and everyone share, first of all, what is it like for you to be a young man today? What are the blessings involved with that? What are the challenges involved with that? Then we added the layer of, what is it like to be a young black man today? What are the blessings? What are the challenges? And then we laid on that third layer of what is it like for you to be a young black Catholic or a young Christian man at a Catholic school, blessings and uh, challenges. And the sharing was so rich. And you could feel uh, in the room how much it meant for these guys to be heard, for them to be able to express how they felt. And I remember distinctly the older guys who grew up through the 60s and 70s and, and commenting at some point and say, you know, the thing that is shocking, but I'm, I'm glad that they have a chance to share it, but it's, it's disheartening is the way that they are feeling, the way that they are thinking as they grow up today is the same way that I felt in the 60s and 70s. And, um, but we, we talked about this because in order to understand where God is calling us, we have to understand where we come from. 
And so we spent some time just saying, how do we feel? Let, let's look at kind of the history here, but then kind of where is God calling us? We did the Stations of the Cross, and that was kind of a way for us to see uh, Jesus himself shows us in every day and age, what does it look like for us to give ourselves away, to make a gift of ourselves and give ourselves away. And uh, there was more sharing. But anyways, the, the whole retreat ended up being a beautiful time. I'll tell you one kind of Holy Spirit moment of the weekend was we went to visit the Legacy Museum in Montgomery that's sponsored by EJI, Equal Justice Initiative, and it's and state-of-the-art technology and artistry kind of takes you through the history from the slave trade through Jim Crow up until present day. And um, all of our guys are there. We're wearing, we made these Enigma shirts. We're wearing them. We're in this uh, museum, and everyone's just kind of soaking it all in. And at one point, Coach Jay uh, from Montgomery is at this exhibit in which you sit down, and it looks like you're, you're talking to somebody who's in jail. It looks like, like you're through the glass screen, you're talking it through them uh, on a phone. And it's different uh, young black men who've been in prison wrongfully and since been released, and they're telling their story of how they were imprisoned and then how they were exonerated. And so there is, Coach Jay's there, and he's listening to the video presentation of this young guy named Contrell. And as he's listening to the story on the video, he sees this guy standing next to him, and he looks over at him, and it looks a lot like the person on the video, and he kind of does a double take, and he's kind of like, are you? And the guy's like, yeah, that's me. And so this guy, Contrell, was there, and he starts talking to Coach Jay. He said when he got out of jail and he realized that he was going to be featured at the museum, he moved to Montgomery. And every day when he gets off work, he goes and spends a couple hours just praying in the museum and asking that God would give him a chance to share his story with somebody. <laughs> so as Coach Jay is listening, he goes, wait right here. I got 24 guys you need to talk to. And so he rounds up all these guys. Now, I did not know this was happening, but all of a sudden I come around the corner, I see all of our guys in this perfect semicircle, dead silent, listening to this guy tell his story. You could hear a pin drop as he talked about just being in the wrong place at the wrong time, but then also talking about his faith and how his faith sustained him. And he's encouraging these young guys to not be in the wrong place at the wrong time and to be good and to and to you know, give their lives to God and to the service of others. And it was like God just, here, have this experience. <laughs> and so it was the point, I had to break it up at some point. They would have sat there all night and listened to this guy. Um, but we had to go back to you know eat dinner, do some other things. The spirit was just working that weekend. It all culminated with celebrating mass at resurrection, uh, which, for a lot of people, they would probably be surprised that this is a Catholic expression of the Mass. They have a full gospel choir. It usually goes about two hours. Father Williams usually ends his homilies in song. Uh, they have a dance team that a lot of times will perform a traditional kind of dance inspired by the faith before Mass starts. But all of these guys on the retreat, about 24 guys, all wearing their shirts, uh, you know, were at this Mass. I wish I could describe to you adequately how palpable the spirit was moving in the church that day. As this congregation saw 24 young, healthy, faithful men standing up in front of them, at one point they gave witness to kind of how they'd encountered the Lord and what the weekend had meant. There was not a dry eye in that church that day. I remember distinctly at one point as, as Father Williams 
had uh, finished preaching, he, 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 he went into song, and I've heard him sing before, but it was particularly filled with the Spirit that day. So much so, the whole congregation at some point stood up and was singing the song at the top of their lungs. And as the, as the song came to, uh, to a conclusion, there was one guy kind of who was part of our retreat who just was, as they say, was filled with the Spirit. The Spirit had a hold of him, and he, he just wasn't finished kind of experiencing the movement of the Spirit. So he everyone else sat down, but he stood up and was kind of shaken. And uh, at, at one point, he just had to let out a kind of a, a whoop just to get it out. And he was just like, whoo! And the, the music minister just started the song back up. Everyone stood back up. We sang it again. This leads, you know, into the preparation for the gifts. And at that point, I remember I started getting really emotional. And I looked over to Father Williams and said, hey, I'll be right back. And so I went to the back and I was crying because it was just, it was an experience to the degree I'd never really had before. And I don't know how long I was back there, but Father Williams came back as they were taking up the collection to check on me. And I was kind of embarrassed. And he said, Vic, are you, are you okay, man? And, and I looked and I said, I think the spirit got me. <laughs> he was, and he just looked at me real understanding. He was like, it's okay, brother. That happens sometimes. He goes, just take your time. <laughs> like patted me on the shoulder, went back, and uh, the mass, you know, continued from there. But um, I think for all of us, it was just such a unique experience to be together and to share what God was doing in our lives, but particularly from our different kind of perspectives. Um, I remember at the end of the retreat, and now we've done this for two years. Um, uh, Anthony Steele from uh, Prince of Peace Parish. He's a he's a deacon canon, a wonderful guy. Kind of came on board this past year and helped. And I remember talking to him and some others, and people say, "Father, like we really appreciate you doing this. This is so great." And I remember saying, uh, "Well, it really started with Cam. It really kind of started with him having that moment of honesty." But I always remember they said to me, "But they said, but yeah, Father, but you listened to him. You actually listened to what he said." and you let it affect you, and you let it create new space for the Spirit to move, and that's how this whole thing came to be. So I think um, I share this story for a number of different reasons. One, I would imagine many people here uh, who are listening would be surprised to realize how many black Catholics there are in the world, but even in our own uh, archdiocese. I would imagine many people listening have never been to a predominantly African-American church in our diocese, even though there are several in the Montgomery area and there are many more in the Mobile-Baldwin area. And maybe if you never have, it's worth going. Because part of this is us understanding what is all a part of our native soil. What are all the different types of soil? What are all the different places that exist on our native soil? And part of us really being able to grow uh, the, the kingdom of God here in our archdiocese is, 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 is part of it is being aware of one another. So I share all of this to kind of, kind of point to some of that richness and say, don't be afraid to kind of tap into that richness that maybe you didn't know existed, just like I was until my senior year of high school. I didn't even know, did not even know. And just as Cam's experience, many people being shocked that, uh, that he's black and he's Catholic, a lot of people have that perspective and I'm hoping in telling the story that we can kind of get past some of that and start listening to each other. Uh, one of the neat fruits after our first year doing this retreat was we had a day where we met with 
the headmaster and principal and some of the teachers from Montgomery Catholic High School, and we shared just some of the fruits of our, our reflections um, from the retreat. And one of the interesting things that came up, Father Williams, a member, he brought this point and he said, one thing you're probably not even conscious of, but have you ever thought about what kind of images do you have throughout the school? Are there any pictures of black saints? Are there pictures of black leaders? Are there pictures of black Catholics in the school building? And I remember the headmaster and so I was like, I remember saying just like, I never even thought of that. It wasn't malicious. It wasn't like, oh, we're gonna make sure we don't have a picture of any black saints. <laughs> but there was, it just wasn't on the radar. And I think, uh, you know, in the wake of George Floyd, in the wake of the riots, the protests, a lot of it is becoming conscious of one another, becoming conscious of one another's needs and taking the time to hear one another. I heard a great, great quote. Um, I had preached on this past Sunday, a great quote from Martin Luther King Jr. He's talking in 1967 to Stanford University in a, in a talk, The Other America. But one of the things he said was, a riot and the final analysis is the expression of the unheard. He condemned riots. He said, I'm totally against these. I'm totally against violence. But this is an expression of people who don't feel heard. When we don't feel seen, when we don't feel heard, it is very painful. And I think that's a question we have to see is how can we actually hear each other? And in my own life, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that for whatever reason, Cam in that moment trusted me enough just to tell me how he felt. And I'm grateful that I was able to hear it and that the Holy Spirit was able to do something with it. It was interesting, I was preparing for this episode, uh, that insight that Father Williams gave as far as you know, black saints being imaged. I was thinking about the set of native soil and I was realizing we don't have any uh, black Catholics pictured <laughs> here. So uh, I found a picture of uh, a saint in the making, Sister Thea Bowman, and put her right here. A beautiful woman. I don't know if you know, there's actually six African-Americans right now whose causes for sainthood are being promoted, one of which is Sister Thea. She would be the one I know the most about. Born in Canton, Mississippi, not a Catholic. Went to Catholic schools and her very poor rural community. Became Catholic, inspired by the nuns who taught her. Became a nun, inspired by the nuns who taught her. And gave her life in heroic service to the church through the religious life. She was the only African-American sister in her order to enter. And there was, there was none to follow. But she lived that life. And she did amazing things to help bridge the gap between uh, different cultures you know, in her day and age. So look her up, read about her, pray to her. And in all of this, I'm just happy to share this experience of enigma. And I think that that word itself, and I'll kind of conclude with this, even now, in the face of coronavirus, in the face of the murder of George Floyd, in the face of protests, in the face of riots, in the face of strained race relations that have spanned all of history, even now, how is God calling all of us to give ourselves away, to make a gift of each other across racial lines, across socioeconomic lines, across social status lines? The Holy Spirit can do that. But how are we willing to cooperate in this? I'll say one last thing. In the, just before our second retreat 
happened. The the I give myself away is a song by William McDowell, and that's where we got that that terminology. Uh, uh, about a month before our second retreat, he came out with a new song called "Even Now," and so that kind of flushed it out for us. I think that was the Holy Spirit. William McDowell, if you're out there listening to this, I want to meet you sometime, and thank you for piecing it all together for us. But part of y'all's homework, you need to look up William McDowell, listen to I Give Myself Away, listen to Even Now, and uh, let it inspire you. Let it touch your heart and give us some sense of where do we go from here. We ask our Blessed Mother. She's the mother of us all. You can see images of the Blessed Mother and every skin tone, every race, every ethnicity that there is in the world. She's the mother of us all. And she is going to help us to, to sort all this out so that together, like her son, we can give ourselves away. So let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Sister Thea Bowman, pray for us. God bless y'all and look forward to seeing you here on Native Soil. Thank you.